Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 5 of Everyday Internal. I'm Jacob Corey. I'm Matt Pavlik. Sean O'Brien. I'm Sam Craven. Today we'll be discussing one of the most loved and hated <coughs> cards in the Legacy card pool, Cabal Therapy. We've got some feedback from you, the listeners, so we'll be discussing some potential situations you might use Cabal Therapy and what exactly you want to do in these situations. Let's get into it. We had the Star City Games open in Worcester, Mass this weekend. Nothing particularly interesting to discuss about the top 16, but uh, we did. We would like to point out uh, two counterbalance decks um, that are quite similar to what we discussed last week. Um, so, Matt, do you want to talk about those lists a little bit? Yeah, sure. So looking, it looks like it's uh, looks like 12th place Garrett and 13th place Joshua. So the 13th place list is basically it's the full-on Helm of Obedience, rest in peace list, running a Singleton Path Exile, sorts of plowshares, and a full set of terminuses. So it's running all the removal it possibly can. Uh, it's also running four Thoughtseize in the board and a duress. So that's there to fight combo, you know, whatever. I think this deck list is going to change in the fact that either a it's going to be running Notion Thieves. Or, you know, B, you're going to switch to Red Elemental Blast. So if we look at the 12th place list, bring it up now, we see that it's running the Blood Moon, like we had said. It's only running the Blood Moon. Uh, running a few less Terminuses. And it's also running Blood Moon the Board, Energy Field, Celestial Purge. Like, it's running the full-on... the full-on package here. That seems to be the... the thing for this, this ter particular tournament. Uh, there's Elves... And also, too, Brian Cook made a showing with Tess in 5th. I'm not surprised. He's one of the best Storm Pilots there is. So I'm not surprised that he ended up getting there. And, fun fact, if you look in his sideboard, he is running Cabal Therapy. Oh, hey, that's a really good card. Perfect segue into our next segment. So Cabal Therapy. Yeah, it's a card. Uh... Or as you've pointed out earlier, it's a thing. It's a thing, and it seems strictly better than duress in most situations. Wait, 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 wait. We don't use the term strictly better on this show unless it's applied to, like, something that's obviously strictly better. Because the worst thing is to get called on calling something strictly better and then have somebody bring up the corner tape. Uh, you mentioned a good point, which is it's very hard to compare two dissimilar cards in the game of Magic. It's very hard to compare two dissimilar things in general. So Cabal Therapy. Let's let's just talk about what the card is for those who are uninitiated. It's targeted discard. Targets a player. You name on resolution. They reveal their hand. Discard all cards from it with that name. Uh, its alternative cost is uh, be a flashback. And the cost is sacrifice a creature. So... Um, it's a very unique card in Magic in that it requires knowledge of the the opposing deck. It, it also requires a lot of knowledge of the card pool. Um, it allows you to use your creatures as a resource to cast it. it it's seen in control decks, combo decks, mid-range decks. Um, it's played across formats. It's played in Vintage. It's played in Legacy. It was played in Standard back in the day. So, versatile card, it's been around for a long time. Uh, we are also not allowed to use the term skill testing on this show, but... Uh, skill intensive. It is a skill intensive card, absolutely. So, For those of you playing along at home, uh, anytime skill intensive or skill test comes up, you may take a sip of your drink. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is, the, that is the skill intensive drinking game. So, uh, it's, it's cropped up in a number of legacy decks. It's cropped up... Uh, it's creeped more into uh, black dark ritual-based storm decks in the last few years. I, I would say initially it wasn't super popular, but with the printing of Gataxian Probe, uh, it's seen a little bit more utility in those decks. Uh, it's played in decks, it's more, probably most prominent in Dredge, uh, where sacrificing your own creatures is a good thing because you get zombies. Played in uh, another uh, sort of long game deck, uh, called the uh, uh, Explorer Rock, or I think it has a new name now. Uh, that's awful. But um, using it in conjunction with a veteran explorer, providing you don't screw up and immediately go get the lands, 
or uh, sorry, immediately name the card. Um, it pairs well with uh, with veteran explorer. So, and there's a lot of tricks with the card. It's uh, it can be a resource in the late game even. Um, and so we've got some scenarios that we want to discuss. And uh, Matt's going to touch on a couple of other points. Okay, so first thing that we need to talk about is how to play the card properly, or we make sure we understand how to do it. So when you cast Cabal Therapy, as Sean was saying, you do not name until the spell actually resolves. So if you slam Cabal Therapy and name a card and they respond, you don't have to stick to that original, uh, that original guess or call. So what you want to do is when you are casting Cabal Therapy, make sure you are very clear about who you are targeting, uh, and that it is resolved before you name the card. Also, too, many times your opponent will actually just flop down their hand <laughs> in response to a Cabal Therapy, thinking it's another discard spell. Um, whether that's whether that's a good or a bad thing is really up to you to decide. However, just, you know, be careful uh, about that. Also, too, if Cabal Therapy is sitting in your graveyard, and they have a Death Rite Shaman, and it is your turn, uh, you can flash that back... This seems very simple, but it's just uh, something that you need to watch out for. If you're flashing it back by sacking a creature, the cost has been paid. Uh, they cannot Deathrite Shaman and get rid of it in response. Just just to be very clear, it's a very simple thing. I know we've all been, some of you have probably been playing for a long time, and this is very, very basic. However, a lot of people, you know, are kind of wary about flashing back their Cabal Therapy because he's got, he or she has a Deathrite Shaman. So, don't have to worry about it. Uh, now we'll pass it on to Sam. Alright, so we've got a whole bunch of different uh, situations that people tweeted us, emailed us, etc. Um, about what would we do. Let's start off with probably uh, the most, I don't know, easily accessible deck amongst the ones we're going to talk about. Uh, just a mid-range, uh, generic mid-range deck that uses creatures to win, like Dead Guy Ale. So, scenario is you're on a stock Dead Guy list, you've got... Uh, Souls, uh, Stoneforge Mystic, Confidant, Swords to Plowshares, uh, a package of targeted discard. Thoughtseize, we'll post the list in the uh, uh, the show notes. Um, but it's essentially just a black-white mid-range deck that, that seeks to disrupt early, uh, land a threat, and equip it and win the game. So let's go through a scenario. Um, nothing super exciting here, but your opponent is on the play, and he plays a Misty Rainforest, he fetches a basic island, he casts Ponder, he chooses to shuffle, he draws his card, and he passes. Your hand is Marsh Flats, Swamp, Cabal Therapy, Stoneforge Mystic, Mother of Runes, Wasteland, and Swords to Plowshares. And keep in mind the, the answer... Is it isn't necessarily to cast Cabal Therapy. It may not, in fact, be the right answer. So, um, Matt, you want to try to take this one? You've got experience with uh, with a good deal of mid-range decks that, that play Stoneforge's small men and seek to achieve victory through them battling. So, I, I think you first have to try and see what they're on. So, I mean, judging by the fact that they're playing, Misty Rainforest might suggest possibly a green splash maybe maybe not though because there's so many fetches it doesn't really matter so island ponder could be some sort of like omni deck uh i don't know if ant actually plays basic islands but maybe it's ant right maybe it's stoneblade maybe so there, there's a few different options there's a few decks playing ponder so you have to decide so you've kept a hand of you know swamp cabal therapy so you have a removal uh, you have a Stoneforge missing, you have a Mother Runes, and you have Pressure with Wasteland. So, if we're assuming they're on combo, do we do we care? Does Cabal Therapy do anything? Well, yes. If they go off next turn, we're dead. So, let's try to take away... Think of an Accelerant that they may be running. You know, something like that. If they're, uh, if we think if they're an Esper Stoneblade deck, you know... Do we want to take away their, say, Stoneforge Mystic or their Jace or whatever? What scares us? So, Island Ponder right now, at least in the, in today's meta, might be something more along the lines of, you know, Omni is probably pretty likely. Uh, there's not a lot of basic islands going around in the format. Could be Sneak and Show of some kind. Anyway, so probably naming in this case, Show and Tell. Because you might just lose next turn if you don't. 
Yeah, I could see yeah. going down that line. I think you're. I think you're just. You're gonna put them in two broad categories, right? You're gonna put them in uh, 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 combo, or you're gonna put them in control, right? Um, you know, based on a basic island, uh, it could still be miracles, right? Miracles might not run as many ponders. Um, so the 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 really the only other option you have with this hand is. Uh, you also have a mother of runes. What are your thoughts on, on going down that route, Sam? Um, I think I would go with the Cabal Therapy rather than the Mother of Runes. My reasoning being, uh, like you, like we've said, with Show and Tell, we might just up and lose next turn. So this way we can at least get a, give a shot at not losing next turn. That will also let us see their hand, which means that if we do have a next turn, we can play a Mother of Runes and sacrifice it to flashback Cabal Therapy if necessary. And if we decide not to go that route, we can just play our deck out as we normally would. So we'd probably play the Mother of Runes, the next turn we'd play Stoneforge Mystic, etc. Um, so I, I agree with the uh, with Cabal Therapy naming uh, Show and Tell, and then just from there just playing based off what you see. So that's one line of thinking. <clears throat> Another line of thinking is, if they're on Omni, and they go Island Ancient Tomb, let's say the fastest... Uh, I'm still going to get a chance to perhaps resolve a creature and flash it back. So is there some rationale to say maybe, all right, I'm going to go on, let's say, take a flyer on Force of Will. And then if I put them on combo, if I put them on Omnitel, I'll have one more turn to make information. By then I'll be able to cast a creature and flash it back and, and go after Show and Tell. How about that line of thinking, Jacob? Uh, I would disagree with that kind of line of play, especially coming from a Dead Guile uh, Dead Guy Ale type of deck. Um, really, you're not too concerned about counter magic. And uh, what you really want to do is disrupt the opponent just long enough to get uh, some of your other creature packages going. Um, an, an opening like Island Ponder Go uh, signifies that it's likely going to be some sort of combo deck, uh, as we discussed earlier. And um, especially the shuffle indicates that the hand doesn't have the pieces it needs. Uh, usually wouldn't see that kind of play, um, let's say from an Esper Blade that sometimes does use, utilize Ponder, um, as they're typically digging for lands or uh, some other disruption cards, and they don't normally lead with Island to begin with. Um, so against the combo deck, I would actually be inclined to agree with Sam that uh, opening up with Cabal Therapy and trying to knock out an important piece um, right off the bat is good. And if they aren't Omni or some sort of combo deck and you go Cabal Therapy, whatever, say it is Esper Stoneblade who happens to have the Island Ponder hand, well, it looks like you've already got Swords to Plowshares to actually deal with, say, if they're landing their Stoneforge Mystic. You've already got that angle covered, with this hand at least. So you could always then drop, you know, Marsh Flats into Plains if you wanted to, go Mother of Runes. Or if you had fetched for a scrubland to cast the Cabal Therapy, you could just run the Mother uh, Flashback Cabal Therapy, take their thing, Wasteland them, pass. Is also another, depending on the deck that you ended up playing against. And that goes back to what you had said earlier, that you want to attack what you're most afraid of. So if we think this is a control or an aggro deck, potentially, um, Island Ponder Shuffle Go means they don't have what they want, which means we're not afraid of much out of those decks. All right, let's move on to another scenario. Um, this this one is same thing. Your opponent is on the play, uh, and he plays Savannah straight up, uh, Noble Hierarch. Your hand is Cabal Therapy, Verdant Catacombs, Scrubland, Dark Confidant, uh, Liliana the Veil, Mother of Runes, and Vindicate justification for our French listeners. So this is a different scenario. Uh, we smell, you know, we smell Maverick here. We smell a mid-range solution. Um, how about this, Jacob? What, what do you think about this scenario? You're, you're, you're pretty, pretty confident your opponent is on, is on Maverick. Uh, and you've got, you've got a good, good, keepable hand, uh, but you, you, notably, you lack sorts to plowshares. Yeah, so this kind of, uh, Let's say we're, I mean, we're definitely playing the dead guy out deck here, and uh, we very confidently can tell that we're up against the Maverick list. Um, Savannah Noble Hierarch is a very telling sign in this format. So, 
one thing we need to identify against this Maverick deck is that the threat, the real threat, especially from a, another aggro deck like, such as ourselves, is going to be Knight of a Reliquary. But that's not the only threat that we have to worry about. There's also Green Sun Zenith, which can tutor up any, any, any really any good answer to whatever game plan we're trying to assemble. Um, so with this kind of hand and this kind of opening, I would actually lead off with Scrubland into Mother of Ruins, um, which is really going to set the tone for the match. That's one of the most important cards in the uh, Mother of Ruin mirror matches. Um, you want to be able to get your creature out early. Um, and protect them uh, from any potential removal. Um, in this hand, I would actually use the Cabal Therapy possibly on turn 2 or 3, um, depending on how my opponent would play their second turn. Matt, you want to talk about maybe another line of play with this hand? I think another possible line of play is that you could also Cabal Therapy on turn one to go grab Swords Plowshares, because you know, you know he's on Maverick. This is a pretty telltale Maverick opening play. So if you Cabal Therapy turn one off of, say, the Scrubland or the Catacombs or whatever, you can go grab Swords of Plowshares. Swords of Plowshares protects your Mother of Runes. Possible. Uh, from possible removal that you may face. Now, another, also, another play is I agree that I agree with Jacob in the fact that you could just play out Mother of Runes to go basically bait a Swords to Plowshares so you can easily cast your Dark Confidant without having to worry. That's also another possible uh, play. Well, as you play the match down a few turns, you know one thing if you're the dead guy player, and that is Active Mom and a Bob is probably going to win you this game. Like, it's going to be hard. If, they, if he can't remove uh, your Mother of Runes, I mean, it's not like Maverick runs eight Swords to Plowshares. You know, very light creature removal package uh, that's almost all targeted unless they can get into their equipment package. So, you know, and of course you always have the option to flash back. So, I mean, it's, you know, uh, once you see his hand, uh, you have two creatures to flash back with. Not that you want to flash back on a, a sack Bob, but um, you're going to be able to buy back the card advantage uh, you know, with, with a mother protected Dark Confidant pretty quickly. And, and, and also you've got Liliana the Veil to back it up. As you kind of move down, you know, you look at your opening hand, you're moving into your second, third turn, sort of mentally. Sam, any thoughts about this, uh, this type of opening? Well, um, it sounds like what we've agreed on thus far is that Mom followed by Dark Confidant is what we want to be doing at some point. Um, I think I would go for uh, just running Mom out there rather than Cabal therapying them. Um, so what we've said we're most afraid of is Swords to Plowshares on either uh, Dark Confidant or Mother of Runes. Um, I think run them both out there. And then our next thing that we're most afraid of is a Knight of the Reliquary. Well, if we have a Mother of Runes, blocking a Knight of the Reliquary isn't really a problem. Um, and with Vindicate in hand, if we draw another land, we can Vindicate that Knight of the Reliquary if we really need to. So I don't think we cast uh, Cabal Therapy here just yet. Maybe wait for a little more information. I think we go Mother of Runes. Um, looking to go into a turn two Dark Confidant. You know, one other thing to keep in mind is the mana we kept. We kept Catacombs Scrubland, so what does that tell us? We don't have access to basic planes. So, you know, another important thing would be to think about, well, one valuable thing that we can do is we can play a basic land turn one and cast Cabal Therapy off Swamp and at least see if they have Wasteland. Not that, you know, we only have a Scrubland in our hand, but maybe we draw into a fetch, but the information might help us protect our mana base against a deck like Maverick, which is going to try to attack our our, uh, our mana base. So, anyway, an interesting scenario where you you maybe want to protect your creatures um, as opposed to keep yourself from being omnitelled out of the game. So, Jacob, why don't you fire up the next scenario? All right. So uh, let's change the pace a little bit here. Now we're uh, now we're in the middle of the game. So uh, this is not kind of an opening, but uh, we're up against a uh, a rug Canadian threshold kind of deck. Um, we started our third turn. We've just drawn Cabal Therapy. In our hand, we have aforementioned Cabal Therapy, Stoneforge Mystic, Swamp, and a Sword of Fire Eyes, looking uh, pretty grim there. Um, unfortunately, we wish it was in the deck, but, uh, you know, such is variance. Our opponent is on four cards, one of which was revealed during the last turn to a uh, flipped Delver. The card is Daze. You've already mulliganed, so you're down uh, a card or two to your opponent. Last turn, your Dark Confidant got dazed, 
uh, much to your chagrin. And uh, the term before that, your mother of runes got bolted. So uh, this Canadian threshold player has gotten pretty good value on you so far. He's got a lot of tempo built up. Uh, Matt, why don't you, uh, you know, tell us how you would play this scenario. What, uh, how would you lead into your third turn here? Well, I definitely think our Rug Delver opponent has a case of the run goods. So, it happens. So you're sitting on two basic lands, which is pretty good. So you're you're definitely okay with that. You know, you're not going to get wastelanded out of this game. You're fine. So you know he has a days in hand, or she has a days in hand. Um, your only creature in hand, you have a piece of equipment and one creature to hook it up to. So the problem is they have a 3-2 that's going to be beating you over the face. You have a piece of equipment that doesn't attach to anything if your creature gets removed. So I think the I think the play is Swamp Cabal Therapy taking the days casting Stoneforge Mystic. Thought process: You actually want to cast your Stoneforge Mystic. Um, he's probably going to daze it anyway to use up your mana. Um, so you're gonna have to pay anyway. Now, if he has four cards in hand, say he has a Force of Will. So if you call Force of Will, it might not be there, and they still have the days. So if you were to play Cabal Therapy out. Then you have Plain Swamp untapped, you actually can't cast your Stoneforge Mystic, because you're just going to get blown out. If you cast Cabal Therapy naming Days, you definitely take the Days, and possibly the blue card that would be pitched to Force of Will. So we can't... We can't really think that... Or we can't count on the fact that they might have, you know, removal or or whatever, number three. I mean, if it does, if it happens, it happens, right? So I think the, the play here is probably Cabal Therapy taking their Days and then possibly disabling a Force of Will, play the Stoneforge Mystic, fetching, uh, I guess, Umazawa's Jute. Maybe even Batterskull. Yeah, I guess really you, if you're looking at it, he's already burned a bolt. <clears throat> so it'd be a matter of, you know, whether you're betting that he has, you know, any more removal in hand. Seems seems like the odds are not with him, but um, for, I think at this point in the game, the game is likely going to be lost, to your point, if you can't stick this Mystic and get it suited up in the next, basically, two turns, right? Yeah, this is um, kind of a different situation than the uh, ones we've gone over before. Uh, obviously, we're in the middle of the game. Um, and at this point, we're not so much trying to stop them from winning as much as we are just trying to stem our own bleeding. So... Um, this is one, I looked over this, and I really I couldn't come up with a good name, and I think Matt's absolutely on uh, with Daze, because pretty much, I, I think they're probably going to Daze your Cabal Therapy anyway, and if they do, great, you got exactly what you wanted out of Cabal Therapy, you just don't know what their hand is. Um, other possibilities, um, I guess maybe if you're afraid of another creature, you can name another creature, but I think, I think Daze is the correct play here. So, if we suppose our opponent played a fetch land during their turn and didn't crack it, and they, when then we were in our situation that we're in now, does that change change what we're doing? Well, let's look at it. Okay, so if they haven't uncracked fetch land, it could mean that they have a brainstorm. So if they have a brainstorm, they would want to, you know, brainstorm, crack the fetch land, throw away the cards they don't need, draw into fresh cards. So does that change your line of play? Maybe, maybe not. So... Can you actually ever get the Brainstorm? Very unlikely. If you Cabal Therapy, most of the time they're going to go hide their good cards anyway. You know, because if you name the Blowout play, well, then they're just hooped. So you're never going to actually... Yeah, I mean, with, with regards to naming Brainstorm, I think um, if, if you absolutely have a jacked-up hand at the start of a game um, and you're on the play and you've mulliganed and you want to just throw a blind glue card out there like Brainstorm against a Star City uh, event or something where 60% of the field is going to be playing Brainstorm. You know, I think that's an okay call. But but other than that, I, I don't know. A lot of the a lot of the cantrips have equal value anyway, so just sort of naming them is, is usually, you know, is, is usually moot, you know, unless you have prior knowledge. So. Now, I will point out that we do have the advantage here that... Um... We don't have to name the card until it, until uh, Cabal Therapy resolves, which means we can decide on whether or not we want to brainstorm after they've decided whether or not they want to brainstorm. Yeah, and Perfect. daze it as well. So, 
So. Yeah, yeah, that's a good scenario. Uh, let's let's suppose that our opponent did cast a brainstorm in response to the therapy from our third turn. Uh, what would be the most likely card to name here if you wanted to resolve the Stoneforge mystic? I think you still have to name Days because you just can't. You know he had it, and you know you can name Lightning Bolt or whatever you want to name too. But I mean, again, we we've, we've established that if we can't stick a man, we're going to lose this game. So. Uh, I mean, you could take a flyer on Lightning Bolt or, or whatever, but I still think you have to resolve this Mystic. Um, you know, maybe not this turn. I mean, maybe, but what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to ship the turn with two lands up, or are you just going to run your Mystic? I mean, I don't know. It, it It's a tough... You're in a tough spot either way, but I think you... I mean, you know. Yeah, I think uh, Days is still the correct call here. Um, my first reasoning for that is I think most players are going to be pretty unlikely to hide a Days given what else they might have in their hand, I think hiding a daze is pretty unlikely. Um, if they do name day, if uh, they do hide days, well, you still get the uh, you still get the knowledge of what's in their hand and the knowledge of okay, there's a days coming up, probably the next card, so you know what their plan is for the next turn. Um, if they if they brainstorm, yeah, I think naming days is is still the strongest play here. Okay. I think we can uh, we can pretty much all agree that uh, we want to get that Stoneforge into play. So yeah, playing your dudes is important in Legacy. I think another possible yet less optimal path or decision tree to go down is jamming the Sword of Fire and Ice on turn three into the days just to draw out the days and then saving your Cabal therapy for something else. I think that's a very very poor way to do it. However. I, I disagree with that line of play, especially when um, you're playing against Red Delver. Oh, of course. Um, part not only do you know that the days exists, but you also are you also aware that Tarmogoyf is in their deck, um, which means more or less you're going to be pumping up Tarmogoyf for free. Uh, they get to reset a land drop for their fetch land brainstorm shenanigans, and uh, and essentially you're throwing away a card which isn't going to achieve much. Correct. Um, so, I don't think just throwing away the card to get rid of that daze is going to be the best line of play there. Yeah, a big goif is a big problem. We had some input from our listeners, I believe. Is that correct, Sam? Uh, yeah, we've got a we've got another one here. Um, Ross emailed us. Uh, he gave us some situations. Uh, he didn't give us hands, but he gave us uh, what uh, what we're playing, which is we are playing an Esper Stoneblade deck. We're playing with two Cabal Therapy and two Thought Seas. Um, it's turn one. We're on the draw, and we have an Underground Sea out. Um, he was nice enough to provide us the actual list he ended up playing against, but it's no fair to uh, know what we're playing against. So situation, uh, this first one is your opponent played... Uh, Misty Rainforge, fetch, gets a Tropical Island, and casts a Sensei's Divining Top, and then passes it back to you. Alright, so, Matt, first guesses, what do you think this deck is? Firstly, I have to say, what the sweet fuck is going on? So they're using a Tropical Island to cast a Sensei's Divining Top? My first response is, why didn't they fetch an island? Because they're a Miracle deck. So, obviously they're not a Miracle deck. Tropical Island, very unusual. What this people have just randomly cast and, and fetched. You know, this also depends on the context, right? Like, are you at a Star City? Are you at a local playing against and notoriously, you know, we're assuming blind information here, right? Complete, completely yes. blind. We're completely blind. He gave us the information so we could see what actually happened, but we're completely blind in the situation. I, I, I want to. I want to try it without the cheat sheet. I'm going to go off on a bat and say this is a a Turbo Emrakul deck. Right off Interesting. The um, usually those decks fetch out the tropicals because they need to use their blue mana first, blue and green mana right away. Um, they are a deck that's very likely to play Sensei's Divining Top. Um, they're not very fearful of Wasteland because they have crop rotation to essentially counter it. Um, so on this kind of opening, I would predict a Turbo Emrakul kind of deck. So, what I was basically going to say was, before Jacob uh, interjected with 12 post, uh, I was going to say it's also possible that it could be an Esperblade deck 
running the one of Sensei's Divining Top. I have seen it a few times, especially running through a lot of deck lists on, say, like TCDX or MTG Top 8 or whatever. It's quite possible that this could also be the fetch the one of Tropical Island to cast the one of Sensei's Divining Top, but also to 12 post is definitely a possibility, although the deck is very uncommon. So the question is, what would I name? Uh, what do I fear out of that deck? I honestly haven't played against the 12-post deck enough to really know. I think they have, like, crop rotation. I think they have intuitions as well, candelabras. Those are probably not good things, so I might go with candelabra or intuition or something like that. Well, you shouldn't be playing Cabal Therapy if you haven't memorized all the net decks off of MTG Top 8, PC decks, and Star City. <laughs> well, I, I will tell you, uh, Jacob, you are absolutely correct. It did turn out to be a 12-post deck. Oh, you get the journal. I did not change, for the record. Uh, that's just uh, excellent format knowledge making its uh, way through here. <laughs> so um, I looked at this, and um, I did not even think about uh, the possibility of a 12-post deck. So I'm looking at this, going, uh, going green top, uh, like green mana and a top, what, do you, what are you thinking? Um, and being that, I have no, that I'm looking at this as I have no idea what they're playing... I would probably go with uh, Brainstorm, just because I know they're playing blue, and that's about the best card they could possibly have in blue without knowing what exactly they're playing. Me next. I think if, if I'm on a deck that's trying to resolve a Stoneforge, let's just assume in this scenario I have one in hand, maybe I do just blind name Force of Will here in the hopes of jamming my uh, jamming like a fast Stoneforge Mystic. I mean, even if it's 12 post, um, and I whiff... Um, I could still play the Stoneforge and maybe flashback to get anything that looks like a fast path to victory, like a show-and-tell, because they're basically going to have to wait till turn three to cast the show-and-tell. So I think I think I also would have guessed Cloudpost. Uh, there's a legendary magic player in the local Atlanta area called Redhead Bob Marley, who's currently playing uh, Counterpost. I probably would have recognized it off the bat, but in, in that matchup, you want to jam the Stoneforge as fast as possible and just get a clock on them. You know, as quickly as you can, um, because the the deck can't win that fast, um, and their long game is just gonna crush you anyway. So, all right, uh, do we want to go to the next one that he gave us? This is again we're playing uh, we're playing the same deck uh, and a uh, death Bl or a Esper Stone Blade list, two Cabal Therapy, two Thought Seize. Um, the second one is. Opponent plays Scalding Tarn, fetches for a Volcanic Island, and then plays a Delver of Secrets. So they are passing to you with a tapped Volcanic Island and a Delver of Secrets, and you have uh, an Underground Sea and Cabal Therapy in hand. Alright, so right off the bat, I would, um, I would lump this into essentially pretty obviously a Delver deck. And uh, when we think about a Delver deck in Legacy... Um, it comes in two variations. It's either going to be the red-blue burn package, using Delver of Secrets essentially as a flying wild Noctal. Or it could be a, uh, a rug deck that has a heavy burn hand, for instance. Um, in either of these situations, we know that our opponent is playing Brainstorm um, and possibly even Ponder. Um, depending on the strength of our hand, I would be I would be likely to likely inclined to name lightning bolt um, if we have a good creature package that we want to stay in play for a while. Matt, any thoughts? Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, it really depends on what your hand is. Besides Cabal, you know, I would obviously against a deck like this. I know that they're playing Wasteland and possibly Stifle. Go for you know fetch a basic if I could. Uh, if but if I if I am committed to the underground seed Cabal therapy play. It's I, if I'm thinking that they're on um, uh, blue red like Price of Progress dot deck Snapcaster amazingness, I probably if I'm trying to land a Stoneforge, I pick a removal piece. Uh, if I'm trying to build up to say a Jace with nothing else in hand, I might name like a Stifle or something to protect my mana base and try and develop. Um, if I feel that they're on Rug, again it depends on how many answers I have. I think you still go for the removal. I agree with you. Um, or you could also go for if something really scares you. Like I said, like Stifle, if a Tarmogoyf is going to beat you down and you have no way to deal with it, 
those are all legitimate uh, things that you could name. Or if it's completely unknown and you're kind of in a middle scenario where you kind of have a little bit of removal in your hand and you have a little bit of game, just going for Brainstorm might be okay. Sam, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm going to look at this, and it, my local metagame mirrors the national metagame, like the Star Cities, uh, very closely. So I'm going to look at a Volcanic Island into a Delver of Secrets as definitely being Rug. Um, what exactly I name here is going to depend a lot, a lot, a lot on what I've got in hand. Um, if I don't have a way to deal with creatures, I'm probably going to name uh, name Termogoyf. Um if I've got a lot, if I've got a lot of guys on the ground that are going to be able to block a big goif, uh, I think I would name Brainstorm because uh, I don't want them being able to force Delver to flip. I want them to have to get lucky on it. Um, and if I've got something like uh, a turn two Stoneforge Mystic that I'm going to be able to play into, then I'm probably going to name uh, Force of Will because I want that resolving. Um, and this is one of the reasons that I'm playing Rug so much right now, is there's just so many different things that uh, Rug can attack. So it's kind of, you can name almost any card in that deck, and it's probably a good call uh, on your first turn. I, I want to interject here and uh, come back to the naming the Tarmogoyf. Um, you're assuming that you can't really deal with the Tarmogoyf. Um, it seems like an interesting position to be in, especially when you're facing down a Delver on the first turn. Is there any other ways that uh, you might be able to mitigate that? I mean, I think in a big tournament, I think if I if I just see Volcanic, I see enough blue-red Delver at these Star Cities that I might be more conservative with my Cabal Therapy play and a skew green, I might... I might name, again, in the Sam's point, without a complete hand, it's hard to read, but I think if I have a Stoneforge and another land, I'm naming Bolt. Uh, you know, if I don't have any creatures and I just have, let's say, a small counter magic package, um, and, like, you know, I'm leading into a Jace or whatever, uh, or I've got a click or something for the third turn, um, you know, maybe I'll try to take them off counter magic, try to take them off Force of Will. Um but I think without without an incomplete hand, I think it's tough to say. But I don't think I would go in the in the green direction. I would think that an Escalade deck could deal with a Tarmogoyf, uh, hopefully. Um, so, but again, you know, with incomplete information, it's hard to make concrete decisions. So. And the uh, the actual deck on this ended up being uh, the title of the thread he linked us to was uh, Blue Red X Snapcaster. Um, and in general, he didn't give us a specific deck list, but it looks like this is, like you said, a blue-red burn type of list. So, uh, I guess y'all are, again, better at the metagame than I am, because I would not think about, uh, blue-red burn. I would be aiming straight for rug on a open like this. Two for two! Alright! So our next situation is our opponent plays a Polluted Delta, Fetch, Island, Cataxian probes you, and then ponders. So... My initial thought process behind this is if the deck is running a taxing probe, they're very, very likely a comp deck. Now, again, there are rug decks that are running a taxing probe. However, how many of them are also playing islands? Very unlikely. So this is more likely some sort of combo deck. Um, I'm just trying to think, who runs a taxing probe? Ant? You know, there's a few decks that can run it, but also that have basic... Storm, Ant, um, some versions of Sneak Attack... Some versions of Omniscience, some mm -hmm. versions of Tinfin, some versions of Reanimator. So the question is, what do you name? What card is probably going to blow you out the most? Again, they probably haven't assembled all their pieces because they're pondering. Whether or not they're shuffling or not, mm, that's probably... My decision stays the same. I think here I name Show and Tell or some sort of other enabler, combo enabler. Maybe if I really had a read that he was playing some sort of... Uh, storm-based combo deck, I might run out the Infernal Tutor guess. But more likely, show and tell. Yeah, I mean, I just think naming, uh, you know, when, you, when you're split between archetypes, uh, you, know, you know the cards those decks all share. You know, they share Brainstorm. Um, you know, I find it hard to name a card that, if, even if I put them on one of two things, uh, I'm going to have a tough time naming 
a car. I'm just completely guessing their deck. I mean, when you know that those decks share cards. So, I mean, that's another... It's a line of thinking, right or wrong, is, all right, well, he's either on Show and Tell or he's on uh, either Ant or Tez. All those decks play four Brainstorms. Um, you know, that could be a line of play, too. Well, I don't know which deck, but I do know they all play four Brainstorms, so... Um, and the assumption being you're not going to get turn two show and tell. And again, this brings back the, the flashback power of Cabal Therapy. You know, even if you whiff on the first one, as long as you have a man that you think you can resolve, you, you, you're going to get a second shot at it. So. Yeah, that's uh, my thing as well. Uh, if you're seeing that kind of opening, uh, they're almost certainly some sort of combo deck, like we said, either show and tell or some uh, tendrils deck. Um and that it comes down to whether or not you want to be aggressive. If you want to be aggressive, I think you name a specific card from a specific deck. So you probably show and tell because that's what's going to be going off uh, the fastest. Um, if yeah, if you're just going to blind guess and you don't want to guess show and tell, uh, something from a tendrils deck is probably a good call. Uh, Infernal Tutor, I think, is very good, uh, as you said. Um, maybe Dark Ritual? I don't know. I think uh, if you're thinking tendrils, then Infernal Tutor is a better... Uh, better thing name and if you do want to be a little more generic and say i would rather get a card than uh get lucky and blow them out then i think brainstorm is absolutely a good play so i'm actually going to dissent from uh, my peers opinions um i don't think my opponent is on brainstorm right now um and i can demonstrate why the opponent first fetched out a basic island, which puts him on a very narrow combo window. Um, next, he casts Probe, so he's seeking information. He sees that we have a Cabal Therapy in our hand, and a means to cast it. Are we assuming he we drew into it, or that we had it? Because that's also something that's... Let's let's go with the assumption that we had it in our opening hand, and a means and to cast it. And they see it. Um... Yet they still choose to cast Ponder. So right away that throws off a red flag. Um, they know the contents of our hand. And they still choose to play a Sorcery Speed Cantrip. Um, I'm more than 90% likely to guess that they don't have a Brainstorm in their hand. Um, partly because if they just probed and passed a turn. Very likely that they would have a Brainstorm. So in this what do they game, think Jobber? Um... I like to think that most players <laughs> have a working brain and knows how to function it. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, Jacob. Uh, that's something I had not considered. But yeah, if they're playing a cantrip knowing we have Cabal Therapy, um, that makes the whole situation a lot more questionable and possibly even a do-we-play-Cabal-Therapy-here situation. I was under the assumption that we drew the Cabal Therapy and then played. Like, what yeah, I'm saying that, is... that kind of makes more sense just given that they've if they've seen Cabal Therapy, it seems unlikely that they would go to draw a card. Um, so in this case, it could be... Uh, I mean, a, a lot of times with these combo decks, I've fetched out Basic Island to make Trap Wasteland proof. Probe to, you know, cantrip a card before I cast a second cantrip. Um, it, with the intention of casting Brainstorm and then fetching again um, on turn two to utilize Brainstorm to its fullest. If the Cataxian Probe is cast seeing a discard spell, I would likely be very hesitant to cast the Brainstorm, uh, uh, to cast the Ponder into uh, a potential turn one Cabal Therapy. So I would likely put my opponent not having Brainstorm in, this, in, in his hand um, when he passes the turn back to us. Um, that would still you know, leave us with a very wide open field of which combo deck am I facing against. Um, seeing the polluted delta may give a little bit of a hint to um, to maybe a possible black splash. Um, now I realize a lot of these scenarios, it's pretty much the island that's the most important, and uh, you know, Scalding Tarn, Misty Rainforest, Flooded Strand, and Polluted Delta all fetch Basic Island. Um, but I think the delta here is the giveaway, and I would likely put it on a storm-based combo deck. So, I think there's a lot of, uh, this one is actually a, a pretty good example of um, how being able to read an opening from your opponent can actually set the tone of how you play those Cabal Therapies 
and um, essentially guessing what your opponent might be playing just within the first few turns. I highly recommend um, further reading from um, Star City. Uh, there's a writer, Karsten Cotter. Um, he writes exclusively about Eternal formats, uh, mostly Legacy, a little bit of uh, Vintage here and there. Um, there's an article uh, released just last Friday, uh, and we'll link it in the show notes, but uh, very, very recommended reading for um, getting into, in, into Legacy format, or even just Eternal format. So, let's shift gears a little bit. We had one other piece of news this week. And that is the spoiling of Magic the Gathering 2014 core set. Um, I know I'm excited. <laughs> for those of you who are exclusively Eternal players, uh, this probably has you about as exciting excited as getting kidney stones. Um, as it contains not not really many any new you know many new cards of interest. Um, I can't speak to the set's impact on standard because I don't play standard. Um, and we are everyday eternal, not everyday standard. So I think we're going to take a look at this set from uh, an eternal perspective. And, uh, you know, just looking at some of the new cards as far as what might be playable. Uh, they're few and far between. Um, a couple of interesting ones to take a look at. Um, I'll start with a man who looks very similar to another man that we already have, uh, and that is the Fiend Slayer Paladin. He's a rare 2-2, white, white, 1, human knight, first strike, lifelink, and because protection from red and black is too difficult for the average standard player to understand, he instead can't be the target of black or red spells your opponents control, meaning you can fire-breathe him if you want. Uh, you guys see this guy replacing any other white three drops like Mirren Crusader or, uh, God forbid, Knight of the Reliquary. Um, anybody think this card has any remote chance to be a playable, I chance think, to be a playable card? No, I think this is strictly a, a standard and limited type of card. Um, it's strictly worse than... <laughs> and, and, and here I'm actually using a strictly worse than Paladin and Vec. Um, just, you know... I think having the protection from red and black is a learning opportunity for newer players. Um, and I'm a little bit disheartened to see the templating changed from, you know, actual protection to a hexproof style of, um, of protection, which means that you can interact with it with your red and black spells, but your opponents yep. cannot. Um, and I, I really don't like this change. I think, um, if you're going to give it some sort of, of protection, make it universal, not just your opponents can't touch this. Fair enough. Anybody else have a comment on this guy? I have no interest in him. <laughs> Matt, anything? Um, I would say that it's basically Mirren Crusader is way better than this guy. They've He doesn't have actual protection, so you can't swing past black or red guys. Like, sure, the first strike lifelink is is fine, don't get me wrong, 3-mana 2-2 with first strike and lifelink, probably in standard that's not too bad, but the fact that it actually doesn't have real protection is is actually a problem. Sure, it doesn't get abrupt decayed, but it means that your, like, 3-3 three, three garbage black creature actually is a wall for this guy. Yeah, that's my thought, that's probably why they didn't give it protection, is otherwise that would be just way too good to have this guy at that cost. Um... The only cards I'm particularly interested uh, in this set, um, Young Pyromancer has gotten a lot of talk. Um, a lot of people think it's really bad. Um, I'm reserving judgment. Uh, it's a one in a red, a creature human shaman. It's a 2-1. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a 1-1 one, one red elemental creature token onto the battlefield. Um, I don't know if it'll do anything, but it has potential to be a cheaper tall rand which has seen some play in Vintage as a way of, um, at least this is how I've used it, is if your combo doesn't go off, well, you have a whole bunch of Drake tokens in play, and that's pretty good anyway. Um, again, I don't know how good it's going to be, but I think it'll be interesting to watch. 
the other one that was real big news for a lot of people is scavenging ooze. And we've talked about scavenging ooze and that what most legacy players probably care about most is that now they can have foil scavenging oozes. Um, only other thing that's particularly interesting about it to me is that means scavenging ooze is in modern. Um, scavenging ooze uh, potentially not displacing Termagoyf, but uh, going right up there with him. A deck that's going to play four Termagoyf is probably going to play some number of scavenging ooze. Um, a scavenging ooze can occasionally become a wall that a Termagoyf can't swing through. Um, I don't know, it's always interesting to see cards like this that we already know what they do, but we don't know what they do in these new, in these new formats like Modern. So uh, that'll be fun to watch and see uh, how well Scavenging Ooze does in Modern. I personally don't see too many... I mean, there's a lot of kind of cool things, like, ooh, like Haunted Plate Mail is interesting. Seems maybe like it's sort of cool. The art's not too bad. Like, there's a lot of cards that I'm seeing that are like that. Like the Ring of Three Wishes, flavorful, interesting. Actually good? No. Not very many cards. I mean, I enjoy the fact that it... You know, I might be able to open up a Mutavolt. That's something. The Young Pyromancer seems like it could be not too bad. I'm not sure if it's, like, in a burn deck, if you're going to want to actual, actually take out, uh, you know, three damage for one mana burn spells to actually bring this guy in. I, I don't really think that's where I want to be. Uh, I agree with the Scavenging Ooze. Uh, Scavenging Ooze is going to help combat uh, Deathrite Shamans in Modern. So I'm not terribly familiar with how how per pervasive Deathrite Shaman is in Modern, but I'm assuming it's pretty darn out there. Like, I'm assuming... The card's really considering good. It's a, yeah, considering it's a mid-range format, I'm assuming there's Deathrite Shaman fucking everywhere. So Scavenging Ooze is nice because you can, you know, basically activate multiple times and gank their Deathrite Shamans while you have your own Deathrite Shamans. Seems fine. I'd probably in any deck running like say four Tarmogoyf and four Deathrite Shaman, you might go down to like three Tarmogoyf and then add in two Scavenging Oozes. Uh, looking at the other cards, I don't see Thoughtseize. Makes me sad. So unless they reprint it in Theros, I'm going to be sad again. So that's all I have to say. I'd like to give a, a few thoughts about uh, M14 Core Set. First of all, <clears throat> I'll give three three cool things and two bad things about it. Uh, so we'll start with bad news to end on a positive note. Um, the bad thing, this set is strictly worse than Portal original set. So, you know, don't, uh, don't go into the uh, local gaming store expecting to be wowed by a couple booster packs. This set's not really that powerful. Um, the second piece of bad news... I feel like uh, this may be a, just like a personal crusade um, for, for red cards. There's an artifact printed, Pyromancer's Gauntlet. Um, it reads, whenever you cast a... Uh, w whenever a, a spell you cast would deal damage, or a Planeswalker would deal damage, it deals that damage plus two. Plus two! Plus two. Essentially, it's like a, a colorless Pyromancer's Swath from uh, Future Sight. Oh god, it costs five. <laughs> so, I mean, it's in the realm of casual EDH, which is, you know, alright, that's cool. That's a format, people play that. That's cool. I feel like the flavor fail that uh, that happened with M14, this thing easily could have been called Mage Fist. Homage to Diablo 2. Um, this thing definitely powers up red spells, burn spells... You know, Mage Fist from Diablo 2 gave plus one fire skills. This is right in line. Um, I, feel like, I feel like Wizards could have used its Blizzards connection and uh, made a little cross-product promotion there. And make it cost three, so it's actually somewhat playable. And it is... To be benefit, it is, uh, it is a rare and not a mythic. So um, in a Diablo world, it's not a, a unique... But uh, moving on to the positive things that I see from this core set um, in the perspective of Eternal Formats. Scavenging News, as Matt uh, mentioned, is a uh, very big big sign for Standard, as well as Modern. It's, uh, it's probably likely to change Modern significantly, um, just because of the interaction and the, uh, and the power level of Deathrite Shaman in that format. Um, Sam talked about 
young pyromancer, which um, I like to consider. It, it, let's suppose Talrand, um, the Drake caller or whatever, Drake invoker. Uh, if we consider that making tutus, it's very analog, very analogous to tendrils of agony, where you only really need quote unquote ten spells to make lethal damage. Um, in that light, young pyromancer looks like grape shot because it makes a bunch of one ones. So you would definitely need a lot more spells cast to make um, to make a lethal attack with those elementals. Um, but on the flip side, I feel it's a, it's a very well designed card. Um, I definitely expect it to make a lot of impact in standard. Probably not modern, legacy, um, or vintage. Uh, I feel like the power level is just a little bit too weak. And the power stats on those tokens without having haste are not quite good enough. And lastly, on a positive note, I'll finally be able to pick up a Korean set of Silence. Uh, which I'm very excited about. Silence! Yeah, it's it's definitely golden. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the newer copies of that card, as well as being able to cast it in standard with the addition of Snapcaster Mage. I might actually pick up uh, standard for a couple of months just to be able to uh, really host some people at the FNM and tell them, no, you, you, you can't cast any spells this turn. Can I take my turn again? I have like a brick full of uh, Snapcaster's Mage, so... Um, good luck playing any spells this game. One thing I, I do want to point out is uh, it sounds a lot like we're ragging on the core set, but uh, obviously core set's not designed to make uh, eternal players happy, mostly designed to keep the glue, uh, be the glue in standard and uh, very useful for helping new people be able to access magic. So it's not that we hate the core set, it's just that, man, we'd sure like to see some more playable cards. Absolutely, I definitely agree with that statement. Yeah, I mean, you guys don't really see the eternal value of the Bog Witch Brew uh, shitbox newt and then the bubbling pot that she <laughs> she throws the newt in. Uh, I feel like that kind of recursion and incremental card advantage is key for grindy mid-range strategies. Um, now, my, uh, my opinion on the core set, I, I, like, I think Young Pyromancer might have some legs. The fact that the things don't have haste is a little bit of a downer. Um, I could see him maybe in a shell with Niv-Magus Elemental in Legacy, which is uh, kind of a fringy deck. Abrupt Decay has put a little bit of the kibosh on it, but in a shell with uh, a bunch of Storm cards um, and maybe replacing Kiln Fiend. I don't know. Maybe Kiln Fiend's actually better uh, than this guy in that kind of deck. Um, but at least you get some residual value if point removal hits one of your guys. Um, so I don't, I don't know that he's awful. He might need it. It's nice that he's, he's red one, but again, he's just going to go into a blue deck, which is basically what uh, the Niv-Magus elemental deck is. Um, we're probably going to get crucified on the on the casual sectors of the internet um, if we don't talk about the slivers at least a little bit. Um, there's a one-mana blue winged sliver who's uh, friends-only sliver. They're all friends-only slivers, and they don't even look like fucking slivers, but... Hey, and actually, one small aside, there's actually a sliver whose flavor text addresses the fact that the fucking slivers don't look like slivers. Did you see that? No, no. what is it? One of the slivers just says, uh, no matter how much the slivers change, their collective right might remains. Basically telling everyone who thinks they look dumb to fuck off, you know what I mean? I was like, come on. Predatory sliver, oh yeah. So anyway, I mean, me being old school, I'm, there's just no way I can actually run these slivers, they just... They don't look like slivers, but I think the blue one, the, the if you're going to put a one blue uh, converted mana cost sliver in your deck that isn't named Sidewinder Sliver, uh, the flying one's pretty decent um, as far as slivers go. But It but, does have the amazing keyword. Amazing. It is a keyword. Uh, not to get too much into slivers, because people just automatically call them merfolk and then point out that they're basically worse, which everyone knows, but... Sliver's problem is the fact that it's a tribal deck with a bad mana base. Not really that it's that its tribe is necessarily bad. Their tribe is actually pretty sweet. It's just the mana kind of sucks a little bit. And if you don't go vile, go uh, you know they're not very good. But um, some of the slivers are okay. Yeah, young pyromancer might be slightly playful, uh, playable. He's also very playful, uh, especially with his local priest. Um, I, I think that. 
<laughs> oh, one other thing to note as we're winding up the show here is the is the number of minotaurs with each set is slowly growing as we build towards Thero. Get your didgeridoos. Yes, and actually it's getting harder. I would I would like to point out that uh, the if you look at the Black Lotus Project's price curve for didgeridoo, we've gone up and up and up, and now the cheapest. These are heavily played didgeridoos. The cheapest didgeridoo one can get on TCG is four fifty now. Woo! Hey, so hey, much. Sean, I thought I thought we said at the uh, beginning of the show we're not going to talk about Magic's card speculation in this show. That's not speculation. It's observing that it's. Didgeridoo is going to be right, fifty so, bucks uh... by Christmas. No, I, I I don't know about that. Well, it. If we if we get all over the uh, financial podcast, we might be able to make it fifty dollars by Christmas. <laughs> well, anyway, pick them up now. It's reserve list gold. Reserve list gold. You heard it here first. I mean, Theros is going to have some Minotaur who's just—he's literally going to be the fucking Antichrist, and that thing's going to be fifty bucks overnight. Do you guys think they'll reprint Labyrinth Minotaur? Uh, a solid addition to the tribe, but he's—he's he's hardly worth doing in, you know. This latest dude, this juggernaut that makes soldiers, actually isn't that bad, right? I mean, he's a fucking juggernaut that makes soldiers when you bolt people. Alright, so let's get in towards the end. Uh, does anyone have any upcoming events? Uh, actually, the Murkwood Cup is going down in Arlington, Washington State. I think it's July 28th or something. You can find it at northwestmagic.com. Uh, all the info's there. I don't think I can actually make it, but I know a bunch of people are going. It's like, last time we had 70 people at the last one, so I mean, this one's probably going to be 100 plus people. I think they're giving away, like, duels or power or something. The payout's really good for 25 bucks, so if you're in the kind of Pacific Northwest area, go check it out. It's good times. Yeah, nothing around Atlanta, but we're a month out from Gen Con here almost, so uh, that's going to be exciting. Remind the uh, the listeners what uh, what kind of offerings for the tournaments are at Gen Con. Yeah, so if you everything. Yeah, if you have a, a little time, uh, October or sorry, August fourteenth through seventeenth, Gen Con four days Indianapolis. There's going to be a number of tournaments spanning every format: uh, vintage, uh, legacy, modern, standard. Magic runs twenty four hours a day there, so you can draft. Uh, unlike a Star City, which closes up around ten, twenty four hours a day they'll have events. Uh, and what they're doing this year is there are feeder tournaments for an eight-man draft on Sunday afternoon where you will first draft six packs from every set of Magic, I think except for Alpha. So you'll get six packs to make a, a, a sealed deck with, and then the winner will get, I believe, two packs. It's either two packs or a pack of every Magic set in history. So a pretty cool... Um, a, it's going to make the feeder tournaments more exciting. And I believe they've set the feeder tournaments up to be one of each format. So you can play Vintage and try to get a seat at this tournament. Standard, Modern, Legacy, Block, Sealed, Draft, etc. Um, probably EDH, too. Yeah, maybe even EDH. Yeah, and uh, so it should be exciting. Anyway, I know, I know whoever gets one of those eight seats... Uh, or the people who get those eight seats are going to be really excited because uh, I think it's going to be cool just to watch the history of Magic draft happen. Um, and there's some other side stuff. There's vintage for uncut sheets of you know antiquities, uh, all kinds of, of fun stuff to do at Gen Con. So even if you're disappointed that the champs isn't there, uh, it's still a great place to play Magic for four days. And on the speculation side, it's also the greatest place on earth to buy and sell cards, and that's not even fucking close. Um, so... Yeah, if you're in the U.S., that is definitely the best place to acquire cards and trades, or there's easily 30 different dealers that are selling uh, Magic, including every dealer you've every dealer whose website you've ever heard of, they're all there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, it's a good time. I go every year. It's awesome. Even though champs aren't there, I'm going to have a good time. Um, and we'll have the uh, link to the uh, tournament Matt mentioned in the show notes. I'll try and get some of the Gen Con information in there as it is coming up. Um, if you're considering going and you don't already have everything uh, set up, I will remind you that uh, you need to get a badge, which is around 80 bucks, and you'll need to get a hotel room, which will be very, very difficult this late. So I suggest poking around your uh, local game store and asking who has extra space in their room. I'd actually like to uh, mention about a local vintage event. 
Um, Nightwear, uh, cool little store up in uh, Studio City, Los Angeles. Uh, they're hosting a sanctioned vintage event um, at the end of the July, July 27th. Um, it's the first one we're, uh, we're trying out. There's a lot of interest locally for uh, sanctioned vintage, which means no proxies. Uh, I know last show we talked about uh, potential proxies to uh, get the interest up. Well, it seems like um, enough players in the local arena decided that uh, you know they're ready for the big show. So uh, we're going to try to host that. Hopefully get um, a handful of players, hopefully more than 15, and um, you know do a regular uh, store credit style event. Uh, I'll add the link to the show notes. Um, you can check that event out. If you're in the Los Angeles area, uh, towards the end of July, come check that out. Are you going to play? Yeah. Um, I'm still undecided what I want to play. Um, right now, I'm kind of uh, thinking Talrand Gush deck, just to be able to beat out all the other blue decks that we have locally. Young Pyromancer Gush, way better, dude. Yeah, it does open up the splash for, uh, for red, which gives us a lot of good red removal. Um, last time I played uh, just straight up stacks, and... Nobody had fun, which means I had a blast. But uh, I, I want to try a little... Uh, I like changing it up a bit. I want to try a lot of different strategies, so I'll probably be on Tall Rand Gush. Um. And that's it for this episode of Everyday Eternal. Please give us your feedback on Twitter at EternalMTG, email us at EverydayEternalCast at gmail.com, or like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash EverydayEternalPodcast. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Hey, you know what that sound is? That's a didgeridoo. <laughs> Get down, Aboriginal guy, playing on his didgeridoo. Just a big two. Minotaur flying at the sky on the Aboriginal man. Yeah, did you do?